Hallelujah. Let us pray this morning. Father, we give you thanks. We give you praise. Thank you for the blessed day that you've blessed us with. Thank you for the capacity you've given each one of us to come into your presence this morning. Lord, we are so grateful. We are so grateful to be counted among those that are standing physically before your presence this morning. Thank you for the mighty angels that have worked to cause each one of us to be in this ground today. We return all the glory to you, Father. And right now, Father, I pray for our hearts. Cause them to be a good ground, Lord. Plant a seed in our spirits that will grow and produce a mighty harvest. Lord, I pray for my heart and the heart of those that are with me this morning. May we become a good ground right now in the name of Jesus. Let your name be glorified, Father, in all that we say and do this morning. May Jesus be glorified in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Give Jesus a big hand of praise one more time. You may please be seated. You may please be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. I thank you all for coming this morning. It's a bit of a strange Sunday. Amen. But God is in control. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor you are powerful for making it to church this morning. Hallelujah. Well, we want to go straight into the word of the Lord right now. I want to continue on a subject that I started two weeks ago. Entitled Introduction to Discipleship. Hallelujah. Now, discipleship is not just something that we want to talk about. It's actually the word of the year for our ministry. This church, this year, is running with the subject of discipleship. Hallelujah. Now, the reason we're talking about introduction is because I believe a number of us might not yet have been exposed to discipleship. Maybe you've heard about the terminologies, but the actual, um, if I can say, running of the concept of discipleship might not be very familiar with you. And that's why we are taking time to introduce it because it's going to be a part of what we do. Amen? And I would like to encourage you really to kind of Allow yourself and align yourself with that word of the year. In the book of Hebrews 4 verse 2, the Bible says, talking about those that, you know, came before us. Hebrews 4 verse 2, not 2 verse 4. 4 verse 2, please. This is what the Bible says. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Hallelujah. But here's the powerful thing. The Bible says, But the word which they heard did not profit them. And why didn't the word profit them? The Bible says, Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So, the word is intended to profit you. That's the purpose of the word. Remember Isaiah 55 verse 11, so is my word that proceeds out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but shall fulfill the purpose for which I send it. So the word of God is supposed to fulfill a purpose in your life and in my life. And one of the purposes of the word of God is to profit us. Profit. Anybody that is in business will agree with me 
um, we're into profiting. Every time you get involved into something, you will actually get a profit out of it. And I want you to know that God is aware of that. He's the one who created us. He created us with this desire to get positive results. Never joke with results. Results actually encourage you. Especially positive results. When you start something and there is positivity in it, it's encouraging. It makes you want to do it again. Because you are seeing profiting in it or a prospect of profitability in it. That's how God created us. And we are also created to respond adversely to lack of results. In other words, when you don't see what you expected to see, you are mostly going to be like naturally, except you are trained in a certain way, you are mostly likely to be discouraged by not seeing what you wanted to see. So a human being was created by God to respond to results. It's like results fuel you to do a little bit more. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Now results is also what I could call profit. It's also what I could call profit, meaning when you are doing something and you are seeing some profit in doing it, you are encouraged to want to do it a bit more. So the word of God is intended to bring profiting. The word of God, God didn't create his word to just be something you do when you're about to sleep. I heard a pastor said before, you know, if you want to sleep and you don't, you know, you're struggling to sleep, just take Isaiah, start reading Isaiah. By the time you are done reading Isaiah, you will fall asleep. You understand? So, but the word of God is more than that. The word of God is supposed to bring profiting in your life. Yes. But if you deal well with the word, there will be profiting in your life. You will start having an advantage. But now he says, a word was sent from God to these people, but that word did not profit them. How true could this be? How many times a word is preached, but it doesn't profit us? It doesn't profit us. It doesn't really profit. Profiting means it brought what it was supposed to have brought in your life. That's what profiting is. It means whatever God intended for the word to do, the word has done it. What I also try to, I'm trying to make, I just want you to understand this before I even go further. I want you to see that the word of God has profiting capabilities in it. Anybody that takes his time with the word of God will come out with a profit. You will come out with a profit. I know a lot of business people that became very successful just applying principle from the word of God. And you have the example of Jacob who had a crook and a very, very crooked boss. But through the word, Jacob started profiting in the house of his crook boss. You shall profit in the name of Jesus. I pray for you that God's word will bring profiting, profiting into your life. And he says, what causes the word to profit you is when you mix the word with faith. You start profiting from the word. Sister, please, I know you might be uh, thirsty, but not on the first row with coke. No, please. Ah, no, 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 no. Amen. 
Now, he says, for the word to profit you, it has to be mixed with faith. So every time the word comes, if you mix it with faith, it will bring profiting to you. Now, what does that mean? Come with me to James chapter 2 verse 26. The Bible says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is what? Dead also. So what is he saying? He's saying, if you hear the word and you do not apply or do the word, it doesn't profit you. The word only profits you when you put some actions to it. Faith without action is dead. So they got the word, but the word did not profit them because they didn't mix the word with faith. And what does it mean to mix things with faith? Is that you bring action to what you are doing. Anybody's getting me so far? All right. Just stay with me. Now, the word of the year in 2024 for us, basically, is a year of discipleship. Amen. That's what we are into this year. And I want to encourage you to know that if you could allow that word to become profiting to you this year, and how will you do that? Is by starting to line up your life and your actions with that word. If we are saying it's a year of discipleship, my actions, my actions, my daily actions must at least somehow show that this is a year of discipleship. That is the only time that word will start profiting me. But if we say it's a year of discipleship, but when you check my life, you don't see any trace of anything that has got to do with disciples, discipleship, nothing like that in my personal life. Then that word is not profiting me because I didn't add faith to that word. I just heard the word, like every church declares the word of the year. But after we declare the word of the year, what do we do so that that word of the year can become an actualization? That is where the profiting comes in. The fact that I didn't just got the word of the year, but I have also started to now align my actions so that my actions can reflect that word God gave us. That is the only time that word will profit me. I can shout it at you of discipleship. We don't have stickers, but I could even have a sticker that it is a year of discipleship. I will still not have a profit out of that word. Until my actions. Can you enter this verse? I don't know if it could give us something. Well, they all say more or less the same thing, good works. There's a particular version, I can't remember what it was, but it says, faith without corresponding action is dead. Faith without corresponding action is dead. What that means is that if I believe something and I don't take an action that corresponds to what I say I believe, that will not profit me at any way. Are you with me so far? So, it's our year of discipleship. Amen. So, our actions this year, our actions, our actions must show that indeed we believe that it is our year of discipleship. 
I must check how you spend your week and see how this year of discipleship team is affecting your week. What, what has changed since January? About you and me regarding this team. What, what, what has changed in how we spend our day? Simply because I'm lining myself with the word of the year. What has changed? What has changed in how you spend your time? What has changed? Nothing. So we can claim it's my year of discipleship. But if the actions of daily living are not lining up with that word, then that word will not profit me. Please say, are you getting me? I feel you are getting me. I feel you are getting me. If my actions, if what I do every day, there's no trace of discipleship in it, there's nothing in it that shows that I believe that this is a year of discipleship. That there's nothing. My daily life has continued just the way I was doing my life last year. Oh, then I am, I might be saying it's a year of discipleship, but in actualization, there's nothing. So that will not profit me. That's what the Bible is trying to say. There will be no profit. There will be no profit. Brothers and sisters, you must understand how the kingdom of God works. In the kingdom of God, God usually has a man. It doesn't mean it's the only man he can talk to, but he is the man he has chosen. There could be other people, but God usually chooses a man. Sometimes it takes that man from really anywhere. Rarely does God take people from high and mighty places. He will take a man and he will start working on that man. Then he will start speaking through that man. From that moment, it is up to the people to recognize that this is not just my brother. This is not just my neighbor. This is not just my relations. This is actually now God speaking through this person. That is how you can ensure that you don't miss God. Brothers and sisters, one of our greatest problems, which I shared with you a few weeks ago, of having your senior pastor with you in the same building, one of your biggest challenge is that you can easily become familiar. Easily. Easily. It is your greatest blessing, but it is equally your greatest curse. So you are in a race with yourself. <laughs> Me standing before you life every Sunday is a blessing. But it comes with some challenges. Some challenges. That if you are not well tuned, before you realize, the one who sent me can send me somewhere else. Yes. You will remember. You and Rebecca before. I used to say it there. I was in my house. And the Lord said, stand up. I was in my house. And the Lord said to me, I've transferred you to Rebecca. And I went. 
I met him. I said, brothers and sisters, God sent me here. I'm now here. And they were blessed with the holy word of God directly from my mouth every blessed Sunday morning. They will hear me preach life in front of them. When all the other branches are starving themselves watching me on TV. By the way, some of you don't know that other people watch me on TV on Sundays. You see me live. I can interact with you directly. Other people, the only chance they get to see me live is a combined service. That's the only chance. You get me live every Sunday. Not just that the word of the year has been proclaimed, but the man through whom the word has been proclaimed is in front of you every Sunday, preaching that way to you. Oh, it's so easy to become familiar. You will not even know when you have become familiar. It just happens. Everything becomes normal. Yeah. You see, that's how it is. But I've said this before. I follow his voice. I always follow the voice. I'm here today because he sent, I'm not here. If you want to see me in ABC Network, you come to Kalanyo, you'll find me here. I'm here. I've been here since last year, November. I've been here. I mean, two years ago, November, I came. I've been here. I'm working from here. Not forever. Trust me, it's not forever. For now, I'm here. Those that will catch, will catch before the train takes me somewhere else. I'm telling you the truth. So, this word has been proclaimed from the mouth of God through his servant. This is the year of discipleship. Now, you can hear that and say, wow, that sounds quite cool. It's a good thing. That will not profit you much. This thing will only profit us. If we start checking our lives, practically speaking, and you ask yourself, what have I adjusted so that I can line myself with that word of the year? Thank you. Last week I spoke in this church. And I made you aware that the actual message I preached that Sunday morning, I didn't speak it here because of that same interference. And I begged you, saying, go online, find it, listen to it, so that you are on par with us. Your blessing is that you have me life, meaning I can sometimes divert and talk about something that matters on that day. The other branches don't have that luxury, so they have to stick with the preaching of the day. Everything I preach is what they preach. Me, because I'm the one preaching it, I can change the preaching the day I'm preaching. And that is your disadvantage. Is that I taught last week on 10 qualities of a disciple. And if you didn't go online, if you didn't go on YouTube, and I think that you guys didn't even put it on your WhatsApp group, I think it was put on the government. I don't know. I don't know if it was put on your main group. Was it put on your main group? Your your Kalanyo on the group. Did you receive that message? It wasn't there. Uh, is it there? Introduction to discipleship. Is it there? Huh? Sorry. 
On the Kala, not mega group, Kalanyoni is Kalanyoni group, ABC Kalanyoni. Is it there? All right, so those are the things that I'm saying. That with these things, you will miss. You will miss. Not to say it's there or it's not there. Who even listened to it? That's another problem. Who even listened to it? Who even checked that somebody else listened to it? So things usually don't happen immediately. Come on. It's a build up. It's a build up of discarding instructions. It's a build up of not valuing the leader. It's a build up of taking things lightly. And then it goes, it goes. And I kept telling Rebecca, Rebecca, be careful. I might not be here again soon. I was sent. I can be resent somewhere else. Rebecca, be careful. You were there. I used to say it to these guys. I used to tell them, look, you have me here. It takes me a lot to come here. But I'm here fully with my whole house. All I'm expecting is for you to do your part. Then we can flow nice. Everybody must do their part. I will do my part. Everybody must do their part. I can't do my part and your part at the same time. Everybody must do their part. If everybody is doing their part, we will flow for years, no problem. If somebody becomes comfortable, God will pick it up. And I will start sensing it. And you, you see, it starts going like this. So let's all be very careful. Amen? Nobody must be surprised. Nobody must be surprised. So we spoke about the qualities of a disciple. I don't think you are expecting me to, now, to also now come and listen to that message on your behalf. After I, got the me- eh? After I got the message, I preached the message, I made sure the message is recorded. I must also come and listen to it on your behalf and then share it for you. My God. So somebody is missing the mark. It has started. For the time I have this morning, I want to explain to you why are we talking about discipleship to Christians? Why am I doing this? Why am I not teaching you about prayer? Why am I not teaching you about other important spiritual virtues? Why am I teaching you about discipleship? Why am I doing that? Well, you see, number one is because I believe that many people are called to work for God. Not just Pastor Pascal. Many people are called to work for God. I've shared my story many times. Precious people, I never thought I was a pastor. I was in the church just like you. I mean, I never saw myself preaching anywhere. No. Some of you, when you see me, you are probably thinking, Pastor Pascal always knew he's a pastor. No, I didn't know I was a pastor. I can tell you exactly what I wanted to be in life. And it was not pastoring. So I was sitting in the church all my life not knowing that there was a pastor inside of me. I didn't know. I didn't know. Just like you are sitting here, you think you are just a member. That's also how I used to sit in the church thinking I'm just a member. Even 
for me to start preaching, I was, I was forced. The pastor that was supposed to take over the church ran away. When he ran away, my main pastor, the bishop, he was now stuck. Because there was a church and there was no pastor. I've shared the story many times. Then he called me. I was in Rustenburg. I was servicing my car. Tabumbeki Drive. There's a, there's a mechanic shop there. I was there service, enjoying my off day, servicing my car calmly. My phone ring is my bishop. I said, Bishop. And I'm so happy. I mean, I'm getting a call from my pastor. Then he says to me, Pascal, where is Adao? Where are you? I said, No, I'm here in Rustenburg. I'm servicing my car. He said, Okay, we are sitting in a meeting here. And we have made a decision from today. You are the pastor of the church in Sun City. I said, eh? <laughs> no training. No preparation from today. You are the pastor of the church in Rustenburg. I mean in Sun City. That's how my journey started. Few years later, here am I doing exactly what he told me I was going to be doing. Even today, I've even resigned from a job to even now come and do it actually now fully, fully, fully. Like you see that, but I didn't think it was in me. I didn't think so. That's why I preach like this. Because I know if it happened to me, a lot of you, you are here, you don't think God has called you. You think you are a businesswoman. You think you are an entrepreneur. You think you are this. You think you are that. And that's all you think you are. But I have some news for you. Many are called, including you. Including you. You are called. You are called. And, and that's why I train and I teach as if I'm training pastors. Because there are pastors here. I said there are pastors here. There are, there are pastors in the congregation. They are there. They are there. And this seed is going to fall in the right soil. And somebody will care to mix faith with what they hear. And then it will profit them. Many are called. Matthew 22 verse 14. Many are called. Not few are called. Many are called. So if we look at this church this morning. Just, let's just take ourselves as an example, this church. If we want to apply Matthew 22 verse 14, how can it be that only Pastor Pascal is called? Look at the verse. What is the verse saying? Many are called. Don't quickly run to say few are, uh, few are chosen. People always quickly say, no, few are chosen. That's why. No, no, no. That's not where it starts. It's the verse starting with few are chosen. Meanwhile, many are called. The verse starts with many are called. Leave the second part of the verse for now. Just focus on the fact that many are called. Many. So God calls many people. 
You mean to tell me that in that many, you are not inside? That like, many except you. Now look at the verse. Many except me. But everything else, you want to be part of it. If you say a thousand people got, they won the lotto. Or many people have won the lotto and you are playing lotto. It's a many people have won the lotto. You will believe with all your heart that if many people have won the lotto, I believe I'm part of the many that have won the lotto. I have never seen people, if you say many people have won the lotto, you say no, I don't think I'm part of the many people that have won the lotto. The only place where people dissociate themselves and exclude themselves in the many is in the call of God. Many people are beautiful. I believe everybody, no, no, I think I'm part of the many people that are beautiful. Many people are blessed. No, I believe I'm part of the many people that are blessed. They will not say, if the best, many people are blessed, few are cursed. I don't think they will say, no, I'm part of the few that are cursed. Listen to me, you are called. That's why I'm talking to you about discipleship. Maybe you are asking, why is pastor teaching on this? It's because I have called people here. I have people that are called. And you know, it might take me years to make you believe it, but I will keep talking. I said, I will keep talking. I will keep talking until somebody will believe that pastor used to say this thing. I think it's true. It's true. I can tell you something. If I used to hear what you are hearing, I think I could have, I was going to answer my call earlier. Most of the things you will hear, I didn't hear them. I could have come this morning and said, brothers and sisters, let's talk about sanctification. God wants us to be pure. Hallelujah. Purity is a virtue. Hallelujah. The purer you are, the more you will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see the Lord. Hallelujah. I already have a sermon. And you will be standing and say, hallelujah. I can preach on prosperity. I can preach on anything. When you see me insisting on something, there is a reason for that. There is a reason for that. The second reason why I'm teaching you as, a pa- as if you are a pastor in the making is because my job is not to do the job. My job is not to do the job. My job is to train you to do the job. And that is where we are having a problem. Because you are saying, Pastor, it is your job, do it. My job is not to do the job. My job is to train you so you can do the job. Ephesians 4, 11 to 12. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Are you reading the Bible with me? Please, I want us to read together. Are you reading the Bible? It says, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Are you part of the church? What are the gifts Christ gave to the church? The apostles. Number two. Number three. Number four. Number five. So we see that these people didn't ordain themselves. When you see a prophet, God gave that prophet to the church. When you see an apostle, God gave that apostle to the church. 
When you see a pastor, Christ gave that pastor to the church. That's why it's dangerous to play with a pastor because a pastor is a gift God has given you. You see, Christ gave. It's a gift from Christ. These are the gifts Christ gave to the church. A pastor is a gift. And just like in any gift, you can choose to reject the gift. And you can choose to receive the gift. I know people, even yesterday, somebody was not very happy with me. I bought him Coke. When I brought Coke to him, he says, Pastor, I'm, I'm not happy. I don't, I'm not going to drink your Coke. He rejected the gift. I needed to do more negotiations. Because he was really not so happy. But he became happy later and he took the gift. Amen. So, you can take the gift and you can reject the gift. It's a gift. A pastor, your pastor is a gift. Every time I stand here, the gift of God is standing here. You can say, ah, no, you are not my pastor. I mean, there's a mother years ago, that is years ago, just when I became a pastor. I think the same month I became a pastor. When my bishop came to the church and he presented me, he said, from today, Pascal is no more the pianist. Pascal is now the pastor. From the very next week, I resumed my duties. I felt, no, let me start. Since I'm pastor now, I need to start. So I started, I went to this mother. She was from another country in South America. She was in the church. So I used to go to her house always and she would make food for me. We're good friends. So I decided now, let me start my pastoral work there because I get this one. She's my friend. We, we flow. So I went to her and she made cookies as usual with tea. And we are sitting and we are talking. Then I said to her, I don't know what came over me. And I said to her, uh -huh. now that I'm going to be your pastor. <laughs> hey! She said to me, you are not my pastor. You cannot be my pastor. My pastor is, she mentioned the name of the country where she's coming from. And she said, that's where my pastor is. I put my tail between my legs. I started walking slow. <laughs> and I became so discouraged. I think for almost a month I didn't visit anybody. I was a gift. God gave her a gift. But she rejected the gift. These are the gifts Christ gave to the church. I'm a gift. Matapelo, I'm a gift. I'm a gift. You can receive me, you can reject me. I'm a gift. You see, the gift doesn't speak. If this is a gift, is the gift speaking? The gift doesn't speak. You and I can speak. The giver and the receiver can speak. 
but the gift doesn't speak. Try to reject it. You see, the gift is not speaking, even though it's being rejected. It's just quiet. But who is feeling the rejection of the gift? The giver. The giver. He is the one who is feeling, my gift is being rejected. People are tempering with my gift. They are taking it for granted. Let me take it somewhere else. Where maybe it can be accepted. Because Christ gave to this church. If the gift is not well honored, Christ can take his gift. And he's looking. Who, who, will, who will value this gift? Who will take care of this gift? Who will respect this gift? Who will honor this gift? That's where he will take the gift. I always remember the story of a woman. She gave a shirt to another sister in the church. That sister didn't have clothes. And she gave her a white shirt to wear on Sundays. She was giving a testimony and she said, years later, she came back to that church. She said she was amazed. I don't know what the sister did with that white shirt. But when she, the day she came to church, the sister was wearing that shirt. She says the shirt had become whiter. And the shirt was iron to digital precision. She says she felt so good that she gave that shirt away. Because she felt even herself, she was not taking care of that shirt that way. He said, I was so blessed to see that shirt in the hand of a person who knew how to take care of it. You don't know how happy Jesus is when he finds people that when he gives a gift, oh, they respond well. They know what to do. So he's encouraged to even increase the gift more. That is how it is. That is how it is. Any church can become powerful if the people in the church honor the gift. Any church can develop and become mighty if the people in the church value the gift and do what they're supposed to do with the gift. And everybody does what... I'm telling you, any church, any, most of churches that you see, they don't work. You go and check. The members don't value the gift. They don't honor the gift. They don't talk well about the gift. They don't respect the, They don't do... Most of them, those churches. A lot of churches, the gift is there suffering. That's why the church doesn't work. Any church you see working, check the culture. You will see that. That's what we're trying to do here in the church, but I don't just want you to be clapping when I come on stage. I want you to be doing the things I say we should do. That's when you are on. Jesus says, how do you call me Lord, Lord? You don't do what I say. You don't do what I say. It's just a lot of talk. The actions are opposite.
Are you still here? Are you blessed? <laughs> I'm teaching you things pastor don't talk about. I want you to learn them so that you understand. You see, so he gave a gift, right? Now look at verse 12. Their responsibility. Okay, so this is the part you usually like. Their responsibility is to equip God's people. You saw those gifts, the five gifts. Pastors, apostles, prophets. What is their responsibility? Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. Talk to me, ABC. You are too quiet. My job is to equip you so that you can do the work of God. I didn't know my pastor was equipping me to do the work of God. And a day came, my pastor called me and he says, I think I have done a good job on you. Go and start a church. Their responsibility, put the two verses together if you can. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So the church is not built up by the pastor. The church is built up by the congregation. It is the members, when they receive the equipping and they respond well to the equipping, they are the ones. Listen, I have never seen a shepherd producing sheep in my life. A shepherd doesn't produce sheep. Sheep produce sheep. A shepherd only takes care of the sheep. He just takes them to eat, but he doesn't reproduce the sheep. When you come and find that the flock is full of sheep, you will say, wow, this is a powerful shepherd. But he didn't produce them. They produce themselves. When they respond well to their shepherd. I'm talking to myself in this church, I tell you the truth. Sheep are not produced by the shepherd. He only takes care of them. But they produce among themselves. I want you to imagine these sheep are here. They say, ah, you are the shepherd now. We need more sheep here. Do your job. They say, but I'm doing my job. I'm taking you to the pastures. I'm giving you water. No, 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 no. Bring sheep, real sheep. Go on labor. Do these things. Hey, how can a shepherd become a sheep? That is where the whole problem is. Members think they just come to receive the word and go home. They don't see any connection between them and that church. That if this church will become a mega church, it is us that will make it a mega church. Not Pastor Pascal. All of us, we are the ones that can decide this church must become something. It is us. It is us. And that's why I'm training us. Because we are the ones that will make this particular church 
a great church. The church will not become great by itself. Nothing becomes great by itself. Nothing. 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 It is the people. It is the people that decide, look, let's do this. And all my teaching is to get our minds to say, let us do this. Not Pastor Pascal, do it. Let us come together and let us do this. Because we all can. I say we all can. We all can. I want my message to be very practical to you. I don't want to pick theological things to you. I want you to understand where I'm going. That's where I'm going. Yes. My greatest joy is not for you to be in the church. That joy has passed. Just like when he was born, my greatest joy at a certain stage was for him to crawl. After he crawled, that joy passed. Then I now had another joy I wanted. It's for him to walk. The day he walked, that joy passed. Then I started expecting that now that he walked, maybe he can run. Then the day he started running, that joy passed. I have all those memories of this son of mine on my Facebook. If you go, you find the first day he crawled, he's there. The first day he walked, he's there. The first day he ran, he's there. The first time he tried to ride a bike, he's there. I documented all those things. Then it changed. I wanted to see him now go to school. The first day in school, I used to carry him to the crash and back. Then now he can take himself. Now my joy at the moment is to hear that he has gone, he passed metric. Then to hear he's at the university. Then to hear he's graduating. I come there with my suit and my wife and my heart. And... I stand there proudly as a father. Then I I hear that he found a job. Then he bought his first car. The joy cannot be the same joy. Daddy, I'm crawling. Daddy, see me, I'm crawling. Every year, daddy, I'm crawling. How can that be? Why is it that every day I must be happy that you came to church? At this age, I must still be excited that you came to church. After seven years of teaching the word, I must still be very happy that you in particular came to church. Don't get me wrong. I'm very happy that you came to church. I'm very happy. But I'm saying that happiness can increase and we can now have other things that we are happy about. Not the same thing. That one should be obvious. Should be obvious by now. Should be obvious. Now, some of you, I'm happy you came to church. In fact, I'm looking for somebody that should be happy they came to church. I, I don't find that. Most of the people here, I shouldn't be happy. Maybe, maybe this brother. Yeah, I'm happy. My brother, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy you came to church. Even you, I'm happy small that you came to church. Yeah. And my sister, I'm happy you came to church. I'm also happy you came to church. Yeah. You see this policeman? He's policing the two of you. You see this? Praise God. But there must be a time when the joy has changed. It's now another joy. And that is where I'm trying to take us. And the sheep want to remain a sheep. 
No. Amen. Their responsibility is to equip God's people. Amen. Are you getting it? So now you understand why I don't just teach you how to be prosperous. I'm teaching you how to work for God. I want you to know that a day is coming when you and I will leave this world. And when that day comes, sister, you are taking nothing with you. See these nice glasses? We will remove them. Then we will close them like this. Then put them aside. You see this nice hair? I don't know what we'll do. Maybe if, if, if we are, if we feel sorry, we can leave it there. Otherwise, chat, 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 chat. Everything. Your clothes you like, they're not the one you're going to wear. See those nice jeans you like wearing and all those? No, 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 no. We're going to buy some black and white for you. Black and white. Yeah. Simple colors. I haven't seen people yet in the coffin with very nice flourish flower. Hey. Black and white. As you send off. So some of you are either wearing black and white today. You are training yourself to, to know that to know that at the end of the day it's black and white. No matter the colors that you are enjoying, when we are clearing you, black and white. Oh, you didn't know. It's true. It's very true. But we forget, you see. We forget that that car, you will leave it behind. That house, you will leave it behind. Where's your phone? Show me your phone. Wow. She has a nice phone. Purple. Do you think you're going to take this phone if the Lord calls you? He said, no, 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 no. My phone is still on contract. I still, I still, I still want to pay. You will leave it behind. Your younger brother. You see your younger brother. And you are always fighting him. He's the one who will take this phone. After you've worked hard for it. Look at your bag. Show me your bag. Ah, look at the colors. Do you think if the Lord calls my sister, she will not take this bag with her? Oh. Even if you want to take it, we will not allow. Because, by the way, we are the one making the decisions. You are now quiet. You can't talk. When you go to the mortuary, you know what? I don't know how they do it. Maybe here in South Africa, they're a bit more polite. In my country, one is holding your legs. One, two, three, four. Bam! Then you fly in the air. Then you fall on top of other dead bodies. Because the mortuary is so full, we have to stack people on top of it. Sometimes it's, it's a mountain. So nobody can stand. So we, we, one, two, three, four, five. Then you glue, 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 you pan. 
Oh, yes. We don't like talking about this. But that's what is going to happen. But my question is, you see, when you are now cleared from here, now you go to the other side. What are you going to find there? Because you've worked only for this side. And everything you work for this side, you've left it behind. What are you going to find on the other side? That's why I've given my life to train people to prepare for the other side. This side, we have a lot of people that are helping us. We have doctors, we have teachers, we have psychologists, we have jobs. There are so many things that can help you make it this side. What we don't have is how to make it this side. We don't have a lot of people preparing us for this side. That's why a pastor's job, my number one job, is to prepare you to meet your God. I must be good at that job. I mustn't help you to become great in businesses. I'm not a business mogul. It's a plus. If through my teaching you can do well in business, it's a plus. The main thing, I mean, that's why the Bible says, what shall it profit a man? To gain the whole world and lose your soul. So your soul is so important and whoever is helping you with your soul is a very important person in your life. Your soul, your soul. Not your body, not your spirit. Your soul. Whoever is working on your soul is important. Very important. Very, very important. And whoever you have committed your soul to is an important person in your life. Now imagine you have committed your soul to me. And you have come so that I can help you with your soul. And I'm busy telling you, you know, this is how you can make your first million. And this is how you can become good in, 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 in your marriage. Like that is all I'm doing. What about your soul? The thing I'm teaching you, you can go to a business class and you learn it. But you might not easily go to a business class and learn about what I'm not teaching now, currently. So I should focus on my job. My job is to equip you so that you can do the work of God. The work of God. The work of God. The work of God. Somebody should be able to also do the work of God. I'm equipping you to do the work of God. I'm equipping you for that. I'm so happy, uh, Tate Alphios. Today, I think today you are, you are serving. Stand up, sir, if you don't mind. You are serving today in which capacity? He is ushering today. Uh, Brother Patrick, I think you are helping with transport today. This morning, were you helping with transport? Sorry? Few people. Ah, who came to church today in the car, Brother Patrick? Wow. This sister here is in the church. He, he, he gave you a lift. You are here today because he helped you. You are hearing this word because he availed his car. Patrick, don't you think that's better? That you brought a person to church, he's hearing the word of God because your car was used. Imagine if you are not born again. The same car, you could have, 
You could have been using it for something else. And I heard something very shocking yesterday. No, the day before, this guy that is helping me with my car, we asked him, so what are you good at? He says, I'm only good at two things. Cars and girls. Shepard Lawrence said, you must be born again right now. You must be born again right now. But that is how the mind of a person who doesn't know God is. He doesn't think about anything. He doesn't think about anything. And you want me, you must also come and I must just pump your mind with the things of the world. No. I will teach you about the things of God. I will tell you that working for God is important because that is the only thing that will remain after everything is gone. Working for God is the main thing that will remain. And if I can get a few of you to become pastors, cell leaders, shepherds, ushers, serving in the house of God, and you don't spend your whole week only looking for money, the whole week you are just making money, you didn't do anything else, nobody has been helped because you are on the earth. Nobody was visited, nobody was invited, nobody, nothing. You just come to church on Sunday, you receive another word and you go and you spend the whole week living for the world. Before I was full-time, I was serving God. Now that I'm full-time, do you know something? Ever since I became full-time, I've had a day off. I became full-time on the 27th of January. There hasn't been one day off in my life until now I'm thanking for you. No. I'm at it. Every day. Every day I sleep late. Every day when I get home, I just want to sleep. Every day. Every day. I want you to test and see how good it is to work for God. To serve God. My brother. Yes. Take your seat, please. I'm going to end again. Unfortunately, you might not get the real message. And I'm going to beg you again, go online. Listen to it. Matthew 28, verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. All nations means different people. Just disciple different people. Disciple boys, disciple girls, disciple black people, white people, colored people, disciple all people. All nations means different people. Don't limit the work of God to a specific group. Go to as many people as possible and make disciples of those people. So this year, we are talking about that thing, making disciples. What is it? What, does, what is Jesus saying here when he says, go and make disciples? What does he mean? How do I accomplish it, practically speaking? Are you listening to what I'm saying? How do I do it in practical terms? Now, to disciple a person, to make a disciple, is the same thing as to disciple a person. So, Instead of saying make disciple, you will hear me sometimes say disciple. 
To disciple a person is the same as to make a disciple. To disciple a person. Now, what does it mean to disciple a person? Because that is the job Jesus is giving us. Go and disciple people. What does it mean to disciple a person? And can I do such a job? Do I have what it takes to do such a job? Listen a bit carefully now because I'm about to give you maybe at least one key for today. Mpo, are you listening? To disciple someone means to build up the person. To build up a person is to disciple a person. If I say I'm discipling Mama Serakwane, it means whatever I'm going to do, I'm basically building her up. To build up a person is to disciple a person. Build up a person. Build up a person. Are you with me? Matthew 16 verse 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter. Are you with me? And on this rock, I will do what? Build my church. And after I'm done building my church, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. When Jesus says he's going to build his church, is Jesus talking about buying bricks and concrete? Buying uh, cement. Eh? Because I get it, Jesus said he's going to build his church. So, Jesus, let's go to Chief's Hardware. Then you buy bricks. No, he's not talking about that church. Which church is Jesus talking about? Huh? I can't hear you. People. The church of Jesus is not this building. This is the church of Jesus. This. This is the church. This is the church. This is the church. The people. You know, you'll be surprised. Many times, the community leaders of Lidak have contacted me to hire our hall to do their thing. I said, no. It's for church. Ah, Muruti. You will make man. Muruti. Your venue is nice, man. Let us come there and do weddings and stuff and we'll pay you. No, no, no. It's for church. But you'll be surprised. If we hire this venue, you'll be shocked that this place you are calling church can turn into something else in a second. So, this cannot be the church Jesus is talking about. The church is the people. Say with me, I am the church of Jesus Christ. So, look at what Jesus wants to do with the church. What is Jesus doing with the church? Bills. Bills. So, Jesus is into the business of building people. 
Jesus can build you so well that you start resisting the gates of hell. Jesus can build you so strong that you become able to withstand any challenge that comes your way. Jesus can build you so great that the wind can blow, the flood can come, and the mouth can shake, but you will still be standing because you are built. You are built. You are built. You are built. Jesus builds people. He builds. He builds. And that's what discipleship is all about. Discipleship is about building people. Please take your seat. I want to show you something quickly before you go home. I'm I'm already excited. I say I'm already excited. When you understand what discipleship is, you will stop feeling sorry about yourself when pastors say, let's talk about discipleship. When you start understanding what I'm talking about, what it really means, it's to build people. It's to build people. It's to build people. And one day you will wake up to realize building people is even greater than building houses. Building people. Can I tell you something? If you build people, people you've built will build you houses. Jesus didn't write a book. He built people. And the people wrote all the books for him. Jesus didn't build a church, physical church. He built people. Today, people are building cathedrals, building monasteries, building all kinds of things for Jesus. He built people. Making disciples is building building the church. Jesus said, I'm going to build these people. They will be so strong. They will be so great that even when the gates of hell rise up against them, they will crush it. They are built. They are built. Hallelujah. Can I show you something quickly? I'm asking, can I show you something quickly? John chapter 1 verse 14, 42, sorry. Oh, I wish we had time. I wish we had time. And he brought him. This was Andrew. Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. Jesus never really won Peter. Jesus won Andrew. And Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. You see why it's important to bring people. Important to bring people because Jesus never really won Peter. He won Andrew. But Andrew brought Peter. And Peter became a mighty person in the church. So Andrew brought Peter, because when I just say he brought him, you you don't know what they're talking about, so I, I need to give you reference. So Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. And when Jesus looked at Peter, he said, You are Simon. The son of who? son of Jonah. Nobody told Jesus that information. He just looked at the guy. He said, you are Simon. You are Simon. You are Simon. 
Don't even tell me. I know who you are. You are Simon. Now it's interesting for you to know what Simon means. That name Simon means a person that is unstable, shaky. Simon means a reed that is blown like this. That's the word Simon. A shaky person, an unstable person, an unreliable person. Jesus is saying to Simon, I already know who you are. You are shaky, unreliable, unstable. That's who you are. You are Simon. Then it gets worse. You are the son of Jonah. If you read your Bible and you know who Jonah was, do you know who? <laughs> That is not the Jonah here, but I'm just giving you direction. I understand that name Jonah. This is a guy, God says, go to Nineveh. He turned around 160 degrees. He went to Tarshish. So you are very, in fact, your name is unreliable. And the person you are named after, the person you are taken from, is also another problem. of Jonah. My God. Can you do anything here? No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not confused about who you are. I know exactly who you are. You are Simon. <laughs> and I, you don't need to pretend. I know who you are. You are a prostitute. You are a liar. You are a thief. You are a drunkard. You are still smoking weed. You are still sleeping around. I know exactly what I've got today. I, I understand who came. I'm talking to myself. Jesus says, I know exactly who arrived here. Simon came. If Simon is here today, this is Simon. He said, you are Simon. Don't even try to tell me, you know, my father named me Simon, but my friend called me Samsa. No, 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 no. You are Simon exactly. You are Simon. I know who you are. You are Simon. And I am not intimidated by the fact that you are Simon. I understand you are Simon. But listen to me. From today, you shall be called Cephas, which translated is a stone. <laughs> I know you are shaking. I know you are moving. You can't stay. I understand. But let me work on you small. By the time I'm done working on you, your name will no more be Simon. People will now call you Cephas. Jesus was telling Simon, the first day he met him, he said, I'm going to build you up. I'm going to work on you. I'm going to disciple you. By the time I'm done working on you, people will no more call you Simon. A shaky, unreliable, unimportant person. That's discipleship. You take people from nowhere and you start building them. 
And by the time you are done building them, they look something totally different from what they were when you met them. As they start pushing. That's the work God is calling us to do. When he says, go and make disciples, he's saying, find people that don't look anything like me. They don't have my nature. They don't have anything of me. Find them. Start working on them. Work on them. Don't throw them away. Don't avoid them. Don't do as if you don't see them. Take them with their problems and start working on them. If you do a good job on the people, a day will come. Those same people will no more be called Simon. And if I can shock you today, we all know this guy by the name Peter. Not Simon. The two books he wrote are called First Peter, not First Simon, Second Simon. First Peter, Second Peter. And Jesus told him, You are Peter. Matthew 16, 18. You are Peter. He could have said, You were you were Simon. I worked on you, you became Peter. Now on you. I'm going to build other people through you. Through your testimony. What I've done with you. I'm going to work on other people through the same way I worked on you. My work for you will not be in vain. I've worked on you and through you I'm going to work on others. Many people will be built through Peter who was Cephas. I mean who was Simon and God worked on him. Clap for Jesus if you understand anything I'm talking about. Well, we are out of time. Can I just give you one more thing? No, when we talk about building people, so what do we build on people as I close? There are three things we build on a person. When you are discipling a person, there are three things you are interested in building. Can I give them to you quickly? Number one, You build character in people. You build what? Character. If you're going to disciple people, you need to know what to work on. The first thing you work on is character. That's the first thing you build on a person. The second thing you build is courage. You build character in a person. If you are saying you are working for God, working for God is not making a lot of noise. Working for God is taking a person that has no character and you start building character in the person. That's a real work. That's a real work. That's the real work. That's the work God is going to bless. That's the work God is going to reward. If you start developing character in a person. Then courage. Most people are plagued with fear. Can't do nothing. Then the third thing, community. 
So these are the three things we are working on this year, on people. Character, courage, community. Are you getting it? Character, courage, community. So if I'm discipling any of you this year, the first thing I'm interested in is character. The next thing I'm interested in is courage. And the last thing I'm interested in is community. Now, the message I preach online is entitled, How to Build Character in Your Disciples. You need to go and listen to it. How to build character in your disciples. As I close, what is character? Why is character important? Why is character so important? If you are saying you are making disciples, the first thing is character. Why is character so important? What is character? Character is who you are when no one is watching. Character is who you are when no one is watching. What is character? Uh, uh, Personalize it, please. What is character? I can't hear you. What is character? When no one is watching, whoever I am, that's what? Character. And that's the first thing we build as a disciple maker. You have to build character in people. Because you know why? Because you cannot police people all your life. Most people appear nice when they are in front of you. So you can easily be deceived into thinking they are perfect. Just like this morning. I mean, look at us. Who will think that somebody can do something bad here? I mean, look at us. You are sitting on a holy chair next to a holy member, listening to a holy pastor who is holding a holy microphone, coming through from holy voices, from holy speakers. I mean, who can expect the type of cataclysmic things that you can be doing when you are out of here? Nobody can imagine. Character. Who I am when no one is watching. Galatians 4 verse 18. I know it's late. I'm going to close. I understand. I'm just giving you this verse and we're closing here. But it is good to be zealous in a good thing always. Not only when I am present with you. (laughs) Is purity a good thing? I'm asking you. Is it a good thing to be pure? Is it a powerful thing to be pure? Aha. Uh-huh. Paul was telling the Galatians, you know, whenever I'm with you, you, you are pure. You look very pure. But he says to them, you know, it is good to be like that. Always. Not only when I am with you. 
has character. The truth of the matter is, people are somewhere when they are with you, and they are somewhere else when they are with somebody. Like, they are not the same. I'm not expecting you to be excited. I understand. I understand that this is this is this is not an exciting matter. You can't be excited about this thing. Character. That's the real building. You want to build people? Build character. Character. That's the main problem we are having. People are fake. You know we are fake. You know. I mean, you know that we are not who we are saying we are this morning. And discipleship is not about, oh, sister, how are you? Okay, no, you know, God is so good. God is so wonderful. Oh, no, God bless you, eh? Take good care of yourself, ne? Amen. No, that's not discipleship. That's fellowship. Discipleship, I'm interested in what is inside. Who is here? Who is here? And I haven't helped you until I've helped the woman inside. If I don't help the woman inside, I haven't helped you. I haven't helped you. Or any help I have given you will not be lasting. If you say to me, Pastor, I need 10 rand, and I take 10 rand, I give you. I've helped you. But that is not the real help. Give me my turn on this. Before, before you realize, I will forget. And the message, by the time I remember, you have used it for coach a piece. Amen. You understand? Okay, thank you. If I really want to help this brother, I will ask him, can I find out what happened so you to need 10 rand? What happened? But that is a question people don't want you to ask. Why do you need 10 rand? What happened? If you start going deeper into why he needs 10 rand, you will understand that the problem is deeper than 10 rand. And that if all you give him is 10 rand, you didn't fix anything. You didn't fix anything. The problem is character. The character is faulty. I hope you understand why we need discipleship in this church. How many of you feel that, Pastor, I think now I understand we really need discipleship because if this is what discipleship is going to be, then I really think we need this thing. We need it. We need it with all of our hearts. You think about it. Hmm? Character. It is good to be zealous in a good thing. Not only when I'm here. Always. Always. 
When you are zealous always, it means character has been built, my sister. Meaning, whether pastor is there, pastor is not there, pa- uh, shepherd is there, shepherd is not there, sister so-and-so is there, sister so is not there, you are still the same person. You are still the same person. These are the people we, when you are saying I'm discipling a person, that's the job Jesus is giving you. The job is work on the character of the person. I end with this. A character is also what we call a statue. Have you seen a statue before? Mandela Square in Santon. You have a, a big image of Mandela there. Eh? I, don't, I don't think there's any statue around here. Okay, in Sun City, when you enter South Village, you see those faces. Those are statues. Another way to call them is those are characters. The word character can also be used for a statue. Meaning, it doesn't change. The statue of Mandela is always like this. Winter. Summer. It's raining. The heat. Character. You get a job. No job. You get an increase. No increase. Beloved. No beloved. At church. Out of church. At home. Alone at home. In your bedroom. Alone in your bedroom. Character. This is character. And that's the greatest virtue you can have. Everybody will like to be with a person of character. What you said when you were happy, you are still saying it when you are angry. You know how people change? I do. I don't do anymore. Because things have changed. Character is, you keep your word, no matter the changes. That's why your so-called disciples are not here this morning. Because all it takes is a change, a little change, and they too change. They don't have character. You know why you are here? Because you've built a bit of character. I can predict some of you were still going to be here even if it rained. And I can predict that some of you are going to be here, a few of you, even if it was pouring. Not all of you, some. A few. Based on the level of character. So, go and make disciples. Basically, Go and build character in people. 
build character. Build people. And the first thing is build character. Whoever is discipling you must build character in you. Character. It's character. You become very valuable when you have character. My last story for the day. Ish. You are not saying anything. I should stop. I should stop. You are not. You are very, very. Oh, you have character. Do you have character? Genesis 39. Verse 6 to verse 7. So, give it to me. Yeah, it's fine. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now, Joseph was well built and handsome. Say with me, my dada. Joseph is in charge. But the challenge is, Joseph is well built and handsome. A problem is coming. He is in a position of authority and he is good looking and he is well built. Man, when Joseph is moving, you can see the biceps. You see the six packs because slaves don't wear shirts. It's just a small wrapper around here. So you see the body proper. You see the muscles. The wife of Potiphar, apparently her name was Selika. When Selika looks at this guy, say, hey. Wonder shall never end. Where did my husband get this money? <laughs> this is some good fellow. Do you, do, you, do you know the real story of Selika? Do you want to know the story? Apparently, Selika started looking at Joseph for a while. She didn't say anything. She looked at this guy. Apparently, she became sick. Yes. It is written in another book. Not in the Bible. In another book. Yeah. She became sick. Very sick. So her friends that she used to hang out with, they noticed that she has lost weight. This is Selika. What is your problem? She says, I think the only way to explain this, I'm inviting all of you to come and drink tea in my house. So she didn't say anything. She just said, you all come for tea. So she prepared a table and who guess who is coming to serve them the tea? Abuti Joseph. The biceps and the triceps and the six packs. As he is moving, placing the tea on the table, all the friends of Selika. They say, Selika, did you see that boy? 
Selika says to them, that's what I've been trying to tell you people. You see me, I'm falling sick here. You don't understand what I'm going through. They say, no, we understand. This is too much. This is too much. You mean? She said, this is what I go through every day. That's why I'm sick. That's the story of Selika. Anyway, she kept, got you. Are you blessed? I'm a little. Oh, you are not blessed. You, are, you, you want us to close the service. Verse 10 of Genesis 39. So, and though she spoke, Selika spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. Say with me, character. Good looking, nicely built, in charge, and he is giving a free meal. But he refused. Go to verse 11. One day, oh, one day, Okay, that one is not... Okay, here. One day, he went into the house to attend to his duties. And none of the household servants was inside. Say with me, it's a situation. It's a situation. There is usually a day when you will not be tested. Proper, proper. None of the servants are in the house. And Joseph is good looking and is well built. And the wife wants him. The lady wants him proper. She's asking every day. And this day comes and there's nobody. Only Joseph and Selika. It's a situation. She caught him by the clock. Selika is not sick of love. She can't. She's been asking. It's not working. She's now using Matla. Wamasadi. Yeah. She caught him. She said, What are you saying? You mean you don't see me? What are you saying? You think you're the only person in this place? Eh? Every day I'm making sounds, you are doing like you don't understand. Come here. Come here. She caught him by the clock. And she said, Come to bed with me. Don't you understand? How must I speak? Must I speak Chinese for you to understand what I want you to do? All my friends are laughing at me. But he left his clock in her hand and ran out of the house. Character. Who you are when no one is watching. Some Christians of today, Selika was going to become pregnant. <laughs> the way they were going to work on her, she will become pregnant. The Christians of today. It is going to be abortions. We start now running secretive hospitals for abortions to cover up. Thank God a young man called Joseph was in that house 
And Joseph feared God. And Joseph had character inside. And you could not get Joseph to do something that he knew was wrong. Even though nobody was watching. Even though there was nobody to clap for him. He did what was right. He did what was right. And that is what I'm talking about. Character. Can you and I be trusted with such moments where God allows a situation and you will not disgrace God? In the teaching online, I'm giving three keys to build character. Go listen to it. There are three things you need. If you want to build character, this thing I'm talking about character, if you want to build it, you can. And there are three keys. And Joseph had those three things. If you listen to that message on CastBox, on YouTube, on Facebook, it's there. Go. Find the message. You see, I want to see if you really want help. You see, when you really want help, you go look for help. This thing that I'm always dishing out everything, it's not helping us. Those that really want to build character will go and look for this message. They will look for it. They will listen to it. Those that are not uncertain in building character, they will come next week for more. And I pray for you and those that are helping you that you will sit on this message this week. I want to hear, how can I build character? How can I become like Joseph? That even when I'm in a compromising situation, I can still stand for what I believe. No wonder, in a day, Joseph became prime minister of the whole country because of character. Stand on your feet, everybody. We thank God for his word this morning. My desire is that all of us will become men and women of character. And you know, even the way I prolong my teaching, I'm building character in you. I'm teaching you to sit under the word for more than an hour. Do you understand? You see, it takes character to listen to a preacher for more than an hour. It takes character to do that. Otherwise, you can watch a movie for three, five hours. But church, 30 minutes you are bored. You see, you don't have character. When you are able to sit and listen, take notes, one hour, one hour, 30 minutes, sometimes even two hours, character is being built. Your heart is changing. Lift your hands this morning and ask the Lord to help you build character this week. Father, help me become a man of character. Shepherd, bless him. Come on, lift up your voice and ask the Lord to help you to build character. Oh, Father, help us to build character, oh God. Help us to build character. Come on, lift up your voice, lift up your voice. Speak to God right now and say, Lord, help me to build character. Help me, Lord, to build character. Firstly, Lord, build character in me, oh God, that I may also have the capacity to build character in others. Somebody lift up your voice and ask the Lord and say, Lord, build character in me. Build character in me, oh God. Build character in me, oh God. I want to be a man and a woman of character. I want to be a man and a woman of character. I want to be unchanging. I want to be unchanging. I want to be reliable. I want to be reliable, oh God. Come on, somebody lift up your voice. Lift up your voice and pray to the Lord right now. Lift up your voice and pray to the Lord right now. God is building character in you as you are praying. God is making you reliable. God is redeeming you from being a shaky and unreliable 
person. God is redeeming you from that character of being Simon, of being shaky, of being unreliable. Come on, lift up your voice and say, Lord, I give myself to you today and I say, Lord, build character in me, oh God. Cause me to be the same, oh God. When people are there and even when people are not there, cause me to be the same person, oh God. Cause me to be the same person. Cause me to be unchanging. In the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody you are praying for character. Come on right now. Lift up your voice and pray and say, Lord, give me capacity to build character in my disciples. Give me capacity to build character in my disciples. Give me capacity, oh God, to build character in my disciples this year, oh God. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Give me capacity to build character in my disciples. In the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, Father, we thank you. We give you all the honor and all the praise. In Jesus' precious name. Now, with every eye closed and every head bowed, every eye closed and every head bowed, I want you to focus on the Lord right now. Don't be distracted. If you are here today and you've heard the word of the Lord, And God has spoken to you today. I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to him. Because everything we learn today, if we do not have Jesus as the foundation of that building, Jesus said he will build his church. But he himself is the foundation of that building. Now this afternoon, if you want to receive him, if you want to receive this foundation, you want to receive Jesus Christ in your heart and in your life. I want to give you an opportunity. I'm going to count up to three. As soon as I get up to three, I want you to lift up your right hand boldly and we are going to pray together. One, two, three. If you want to receive Jesus, lift up your right hand. Lift up your right hand wherever you are. Lift up your right hand. I see your hand, my sister. God bless you. Lift up your right hand boldly. Lift up your right hand boldly. I see your hand. God bless you. You can drop your hand. If you're also here, Maybe you've already given your life to Jesus. And this afternoon you are saying, Lord, I want to come back to you. Maybe along the way you went off course. Maybe you've been with Jesus, but you haven't been focusing on character. Maybe your character is not yet built. And you are saying, Lord, I want to start afresh with you. I want to recommit my life to you. I want to start afresh on a clean slate, oh God. I want to also give you an opportunity. As I count up to three, I want you to also lift up your right hand. And we are going to pray together. One, two, three three. If that is you, lift up your right hand. Lift up your right hand and we are going to pray together. I see your hand. God bless you. I see your hand. God bless you. I see your hand. God bless you. You can drop your hand. Now, if you lifted up your hand for the first and second altar call, I want you to quickly do something for me. Please kindly come to the front and we are going to pray together. Please just let's encourage them as they come. If you lifted up your hand for the first and second altar call, please come to the front. If you lifted up your hand, you can still come. You can still come. You can still come. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Please lift up both your hands. And I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you today. Please forgive me my sins. Wash me with your blood. I believe you died for me. And on the third day you rose again that I might be justified. Right now, I believe that my sins are forgiven. I am justified by your blood. 
I am saved. I am restored. I am born again. I am free from the power of sin to serve the living God. Thank you, Jesus, for receiving me, for restoring me, and for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, for my brother and my sister. I pray, Father, your special grace upon them, O God. I pray the same grace that has brought them, let it sustain them, O God. Cause them to be established. Cause them to become true disciples. Father, I pray, let true character be built in them, O God. And Father, give them the capacity to also build character in others, O God. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we have prayed. And the church of God say, Amen.